Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to another episode of Giant Light. I am your host, Alex, as always, bringing to you another new episode in our probably going to be very long series um, that I've really kind of subtitled the least of these. And as I've mentioned a number of times, it's a it's a look at biblical stories that just aren't preached often or taught about enough uh, in churches or in the pulpit. And so we walked through the Song of Solomon, and we're at chapter 3 of Esther. We're probably just going to do a chapter, um, an episode. I, I, you know, there's a lot of content. I want to make it short and not drown on for two chapters. Now, if it makes sense to do two of them, then we'll probably do that. But um, I think we'll just spend a couple of weeks looking at Esther. Uh, after this, we're going to look at Zechariah, um, that pro- uh, the prophet Zechariah, and and then I've got again as a a whole list of stuff that I've kind of um, have used uh, or in order, if you would, for this particular series. I've used it a few times um, on previous shows. I'll just recap. Uh, really quick here, as soon as my PC decides not to work on me, which is awesome. Nothing like a few minor uh, glitches, if you would, in technology. So we've done Song of Solomon. We're in Esther. We're going to do Zechariah. We're going to look at uh, some of the Psalms. We're not going to look at all 150, but we're going to look at, you know, probably the different types and pull examples. So we'll spend a couple of weeks there. Um, probably same thing with Ecclesiastes. We may do kind of a high-level look at it. Um, I'd like to find maybe some commentaries that kind of summarize the whole chapters so we won't dig too deep, but I don't know yet. That's still up for debate. Uh, we will look at the Minor Prophets, and we'll work through some of their letters and uh, prophecies that they have given us. And then we're going to jump into the New Testament and look at Philemon. And it's just one letter we're going to look there. Um, more than likely, we might up another thing or two from the new testament i'm really not quite certain yet maybe we'll 
uh, sprinkle in a little bit of some uh, doctrinal pieces, maybe uh, you know some things that kind of are tripping up on people um, that have resonated out of the words of Jesus. So we will uh, pay close attention as we get closer to that. But leading up to that, we've got a long ways to go in the New Testament. We have a lot of books we're going to look at, and we have a lot of history to unpack. Uh, we will take a couple weeks break uh, through the month of December as we will do a Christmas uh, series and then we will have a Christmas Day special. Just uh, if you are now tuning in this Friday, we had this past Sunday, a Reformation Sunday special where I was joined with Ezra Reads the Law, Chris, and from Redeemed Meditations, Thomas. And we just essentially looked at the 95 Thesis and kind of the history and culture and climate surrounding this thing. Uh, that Luther did. And so I thought it was a fantastic episode. I very edifying. Uh, we, we would, we could have kept talking, but, uh, you know, dad duties for both Thomas and I and, um, crept in. So we closed her down. I think the episode's just about 50 minutes long. So not terrible. Uh, but those bonus episodes I find to be fun and engaging. And, uh, we kind of let the conversations go a little bit longer. We will do at the end of 2021 another rant a thon, if you would. I thought the 2021 was pretty fun. Uh, so maybe I'll get a guest or two on the episode and we will just tear through some of the most ridiculous things that have arisen out of the church and out of the Christian culture in 2021. Uh, so nothing is. Um, safe as we will venture into that. I don't know who I'm going to get. Um, we've got a couple mind, couple people's mind in mind. So uh, we'll, we'll play the cards and see how that happens. But that'll probably drop uh, New Year's Day, whatever day that is. I haven't even looked, actually. Uh, so you will get a Christmas special on December 25th. It's a Saturday. So we will do, um, you will get an episode, uh, the 10th, the 7th, or the 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th will be the Christmas special series. And then the 24th will drop a Christmas Eve special. And then the 25th, uh, the 25th, the 25th, you'll get a um, Christmas bonus episode. Uh, and then we will go back into our series on the 31st, and we will release the Rantathon, it looks like, on the 1st, uh, that Saturday. So you'll get... Uh, two weeks in a row, a Friday and a Saturday episode drop. So that is my uh, mapping right now. Um, I also have to say, too, I'm, I think I'm slated to be a guest on Chris's show coming up. So as soon as that kind of happens, I'll let you all know. Guys, you know, as we get into the end of this year, I can't thank you enough for all your support uh, that you've shown me this year. You guys are the machine behind me doing this, um, taking time out of my day, recording this episode, and delivering to you sound biblical theology. Whether you agree with, you know, everything I say, you, I hope you don't, because honestly, we, if we find ourselves in a hundred percent agreement, uh, with, you know, what a person says, uh, that can be a little bit challenging and troubling, uh, it kind of opens the doors to a lot of different things. And so, uh, you know, for instance, like, I don't agree with Luther on a lot on, on some things, um, but I do agree with him on a majority of things. I don't agree with Calvin on some things, but I agree with him on some things too. Uh, you know, it just depends on the theologian. You know, there's things that John MacArthur says that I'm just like, mm, yeah, that's just not my, you know, wheelhouse of 
you know, uh, understanding and, or not really understanding, but really my wheelhouse of, uh, you know, my understanding of text, you know, my hermeneutics, they're different. So, you know, he's more of a, he calls himself a leaky dispensationalist and I'm, uh, an amillennialist. And so the, the two have major implications into how we read and understand scripture. So, that is the side tangent. But again, I just want to say thank you to all of you who listen, who take the time to work with me through these shows. And um, I'm, it's a tremendous blessing to continue to host this. And as always, guys, I'm not going to give you a long spiel, just a few quick seconds. But, you know, this show is listener supported. So if you do enjoy the content and you want more behind the scenes, you want more interaction, you want more content, come sign us, uh, join us on Patreon. Or it's just patreon.com forward slash undying light. The link is in the show notes. Check us out. We don't do tiers. We don't do anything. It's $1 a month at minimum. You can give more if you choose to, but $1 gets you into everything. And come join us again. Uh, be a part of this amazing growing community of like-minded believers. We got people from all different backgrounds, all different you know, journeys and walks in life, and they are all uh, a huge, huge blessing. So... Uh, that's going to wrap that up, but guys, so we're in chapter three, uh, of Esther and, and I got to admit, you know, I probably have, you know, skimmed through these books in the past and I have kind of just overlooked, you know, what, uh, um, what is actually happening in, uh, in like a book like Esther or for instance, in the book, uh, song of Solomon. I just don't really, you know, I don't read to study and I don't, you know, I don't get the full, you know, I don't get it. I don't do a deep dive. So if I'm just reading the Bible uh, just for the sake of reading it, I'm just going to read it and enjoy it. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to spend the time and in, in deep dive and do all this commentary study and, and, and all that jazz. I'm just going to simply read the book and just kind of let it sit into my mind. And, and I think that's beneficial for all believers to do. Uh, I, I think studying is wonderful as I spend a number of hours a week studying scripture, uh, but just reading and letting it sit on my head and in my heart uh, is, is incredibly powerful too. With that, I have to admit, probably reading Esther in the past, I really didn't pay it too much of a second glance. I'd read through it and just be like, ah, okay, move on. You know, as I mentioned in the first show in the introduction, this is a, an, this isn't a, a, a book that really that doesn't talk about God. And we've been through two chapters and we've seen kind of how God can ordain things to come, but we have not actually seen God show up on on are in the writing. And so uh, it, it's challenging. That I think is the biggest hurdle that readers have to get with this particular book. Um, and the other thing too, I really want to kind of advise on before I give today's uh, reading here is the fact that, you know, unlike Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon, I think was a rich, vibrant, the language used was, you know, very descriptive, and it really painted for us just amazingly detailed pictures of this love story between Solomon and his and this uh, uh, woman. And so, as I, I I look at this book, I just I find like this is just very much more of a here's a glance at a particular time. It's a, it reads as history, 
It can be very dry. It can be very boring. But I think there's a lot of interesting truth to cultivate out of this. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And I, you know, I, I pray that this isn't boring and mundane to you. And I hope you find it interesting. This book, yeah, you know, listen to it and, and move on. But I think some of the other stuff that we're going to get to, especially like in Ecclesiastes and the Psalms and the Minor Prophets, we are going to see such amazing richness there. And I'm very excited for that. Uh, so bear with me for the next handful of weeks as I uh, have as I go through this, because, you know, I, I, I put the poll out. I said, what books do you guys want to see? What books, you know, do you never hear? And Esther was a, a, a quite uh was, was showed up quite often it was very it was probably i think the most requested one uh of all of the books and then a few people you know song of solomon which i already planned um and then a few people said the psalms ecclesiastes you know and so i took all of your considerations on uh, that responded to the instagram post and and i, and I formulated my you know little schedule if you would and i'm digging through it all so uh, guys, I, I just, you know, I'm very excited for it. I, and I just pray that it's not a dry, boring, you know, episode that you're going to be like, all right, all right, all right, I'm done. Move on. Let me, you know, go put on a more entertaining <laughs> podcast episode because guys, uh, like I said, this stuff can be a wee bit dry, but I'm trying to keep it as fresh and, uh, engaging as possible. And I think doing one chapter is going to be that way, at least for esther getting into the psalms we'll we'll definitely do much more grouping we will not do 150 episodes that will take us a long time to do so we will not go through each psalm we will just look at them in groups so uh as been the norm uh chris has volunteered to read the whole book for us so he's going to read chapter three for us today uh and he actually as i record this just sent me chapter four so i can get a, a head start hopefully this weekend on recording the following episode so Thank you, Chris, from Ezra Reads a Law. You have been truly instrumental in helping move this little book along uh, and just reading for us. It's quite an entertaining task. So here we go. Here's Chris. Esther, Chapter 3. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, and he would not listen to them, they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told him that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people, so as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twenty in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus. They cast pur, that is, they cast lots, before Haman day after day, and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. 
Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month, and an edict according to all that Haman commanded was written to the king's satraps and to the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all the peoples, to every province in its own script, and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus, and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to kill, or to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. All right, so that is Esther chapter three for us. Um, not a terribly long chapter, 15 verses, and uh, we will dig into it and see what is happening here. So the title of this chapter is uh, Haman Plots Against the Jews. And so we will see uh, what that kind of looks like as we unpack these verse by verse. So uh, verse one, after these things, it's how this, the, the chapter kicks off. Uh, we could probably pin this and say nearly five years have elapsed since Mordecai's discovery of the plot against the king's life. That goes back to, um, it looks ahead here to verse seven of this chapter. Uh, Haman, the aggregate, uh, is introduced abruptly and for no reason is given uh, is for no reasons given this promotion to a high office. Uh, perhaps he is meant to be identified as a descendant of King Agag, uh, an enemy king of King Saul, an enemy of King Saul of Israel back in First Samuel chapter 15, uh, with whose family and tribe Mordecai was linked. God decreed continually a continual enmity between Amalek and Israel, as Exodus 17 states. Uh, the trouble extends all the way back to Jacob and Esau. Uh, Amalek is Esau's descendant, Genesis 36, verse 12. Uh, and above all these officials, uh, Haman was like a prime minister, a secretary of state, or more or less a grand visor of Ahasuerus. So he's, you know, a very close and high-ranking official. Uh, he comes on the scene here with no rhyme or reason. We don't have any sort of information about him. He's just there, and so he gets promoted, and now he's kind of the king's right-hand man. And so uh, let's look into verse 2 here, this homage. In ancient times, respect is shown to be uh, superior to bowing one's hand 
uh, or failing uh, prostate or just simply falling to the ground. Mordecai does not bow or down or pay any homage here. Uh, no specific reason is given to Mordecai's refusal to bow to Haman, uh, as, but uh, his refusal to bow had serious consequences. So we know he's a high-ranking official. We know he's, you know, this Haman is, uh, you know, somebody who's um, got power, and Mordecai doesn't do it, doesn't bow, and uh, well, that that's that could be very troubling, you know, especially to a. Uh, a particular rank, high-ranking official, you know, because verse two says, "But Mordecai did not bow or pay homage," so that is going to probably cost him something. It's going to, you know, bring some serious consequences. Uh, it, most of the time, if you were in a position of rule, as such as King Ahasuerus is. Uh, any of his, you know, closest advisors would, would command fairly close to the same amount of respect. Um, and people would have to recognize that. And, uh, as the text says, you know, Mordecai did not even bow down or pay homage to him. So just a bit of an interesting separation here as we see Mordecai, um, kind of, you know, I don't know, maybe distancing himself, but we'll see kind of what happens here. Uh, in verse three. Uh, the, the Ahasuerus' servants were puzzled by Mordecai's stubborn refusal to bow to uh, Haman, which is against the king's command. So as you see, um, you will have these individuals in this, you know, um, in these positions of authority command respect and honor. Uh, that's just pretty common, you know, it, it, kind of the same thing in our, you know, for our elected officials, the vice president still gets the same uh, you know, respect and treatment as the president of the United States does, despite who's in office, it's the office that gets the respect. So that's my position. Uh, I will always respect the office. Uh, I may not care for the individual elected leaders. So that's another side tangent that might happen in the 2021 <laughs> rantathon. So I, I also want to preference too when I'm when I say you know like in verse four. You know, this phrase spoke to him day after day. I, I take these phrases that I've got in my study book here, in my study Bible, my, and, and then in my notes, and I help to unpack what is, you know, what these verses are speaking to or what does this phrase mean? Because uh, sometimes it can be challenging if you just read, you know, the the book, as I had mentioned, you just pass over a lot of it and you just don't associate other things with it so uh, verse 4 spoke to him day after day trying to convince him to obey uh, the king by honoring Haman uh, these words would stand Mordecai may have suggested that Haman would not be able to overcome him because of his nationality uh, he was a Jew Judean uh, so for the first time Mordecai reveals his nationality so I guess some similarities here to Daniel and when they were taken into captivity uh, Daniel refuses to bow and, and pay homage to the king and uh, and then continues praying even when ordered not to pray. You know, these staples of the Judean life uh, ring true and ring, you know, all throughout the text of the Old Testament, even when Israel is obviously by a large being disobedient. We have, you know, the group of saved, elected, if you would, Israelites 
through the Old Testament. And it's the same thing with the church today. Attending a church doesn't inc- doesn't mean you're saved. Labeling yourself a Christian doesn't mean you're saved. It's the belief and the ability to make a proclamation with your mouth that is the very first and fundamental step to you, you know to to demonstrating that you're saved. The world, the believers of the world, the seekers of the flesh can't, cannot pronounce or proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the grave. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the grave, then you will be saved. The only way to get that proclamation out of your mouth is to have faith given to you, and that is by a preacher giving you the gospel, the promise. And so just because you attend a church doesn't make one saved, and just because you listen to worship music doesn't make one saved, but what makes you saved is the ability to make that proclamation. Um Going forward, we can see that there are many in the church that may show up on Sunday morning. They may go through the motions. They may even be active in giving and helping and doing all these things. But if they cannot verbally make that proclamation and believe it with their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, if they don't believe it and they can't utter it, then how can one be saved? And so we know that even with Israel being disobedient, obviously they're in captivity right now in this book. Uh, And if you are a patron and you follow along in our Bible study on Hosea, we are looking at, again, Israel's disobedience and a foretelling of God's wrath to come to that nation. So in that framing, not all who uh, are in the nation of Israel will be saved, just as not all people who attend a Christian church will be saved. It is those who have the belief and those who can attest that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. You could label them the elect, or you could label them whatever you want, but it's simply the proclamation of one's mouth that determines whether one is saved. You have no, it's not about your works, and so it doesn't matter whether you can demonstrate or not demonstrate so-called fruit. Uh, We have a lot of fruit police out there on the internet um, hunting down people and determining whether or not someone is saved or not, and I find that to be a very dangerous game to play. We cannot be fruit police. All we have to do is continue to give the gospel proclamation that Jesus Christ forgives sin, and then we move on from there. And if one is led to go in and uh, go on a mission trip or go into missions full-time or go and sell all their belongings, then, hey, if that's what you feel convicted to do, then do it. But if you feel like, you know, I can do my best work in the job and the and the vocation that I'm in, I can do the best work that I'm in, you know, as a, you know, a, a layman and I can help my church, those are fruits too. You know, you you have been freed in Christ to now do these things out of love and compassion for your neighbor. And so uh, that is my take on it. So I, I think it pays us a little bit here as we take a probably a little bit longer show, but I'll try to work through the rest of the text quick. But I want to ensure, you know, that Mordecai is is essentially not obeying the rule of the land and he's staying true to God and he will not bow or pay homage to uh, Haman. So this uh, word in verse five, fury um, sounds familiar to uh, actually the Hebrew word shaman or shama sounds familiar to Haman's name. 
Uh, his extreme anger seems out of proportion to the slight that he had received from Mordecai. Haman's animosity for Mordecai and for the Judeans has been building for a long time. Uh, here is what Afriat says. Mordecai also was persecuted as Jesus was persecuted. Mordecai was persecuted by the wicked Haman. And Jesus persecuted by the rebellious people. Mordecai, by his prayer, delivered his people from the hands of Haman. And I say Haman or Haman. Again, I butcher names left and right. So Haman and Jesus, by his prayer, delivered his people from the hands of Satan. Mordecai was delivered from the hands of his persecutor. And Jesus was rescued from the hands of his uh, persecutors. So... We get into an interesting word. I love it. Typology. It's the shadowing of one thing to the next or a type of one thing. So you could essentially give a very small piece and say that Mordecai is a type of a Jesus to come uh, or a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to endure. Just as Adam is a type, uh, was the first type of Jesus, Jesus then comes and is essentially the better type of Adam, that he's the perfect Adam. So typology and foreshadowing, I love it. And we can see that nestled all throughout scripture. And, and again, as we've mentioned, just because God is not explicitly mentioned in this book, we don't, uh, or we shouldn't neglect the idea that God isn't working and that there are connections to be made as Mordecai is going to experience persecution, uh, as in verse six says, to lay hands on, arrest and punish him. Uh, destroying all the Jews, Hamans, uh, hatred for the Judeans caused him to seek their extermination, a genocidal hatred. Uh, it is, that is an incredible amount of hate to bring towards a people, uh, but the Jews are, uh, have been often the, the, the end result, if you would, and uh, you know, they've been the target of such hatred. So, Moving on to verse 7 here, this first month, uh, April, March, March, April, the month of Passover. Um, according to the Babylonian records, human fates were fixed by the gods during the first month of the year. Uh, the 12th year, 747 BC, um, borrowed from an old Babylonian uh, Peru, which is the word per there, uh, meaning stone or lot, which appears to refer to the stone's throne to determine a uh, to determine an auspicious day. Colored or numbered pebbles or clay cubes were possibly used as dice. Uh, the Hebrew plural form Purim uh, became the name of the festival that commemorated divine providence overruling the fatal lots. They cast lots. Perhaps appointed priests or wise men cast the lots for... Uh, Haman seeking supernatural guidance for auspicious occasions was common practice in ancient times. Uh, the twelfth month, our uh, February or March, uh, Haman found favorable omens for his lucky day, even if it meant waiting an almo almost a whole year. Uh, the month in the Adar, the month when extermination from the Judeans would begin means be darkened so that's verse seven there's a lot of um words here uh and if you read and if you listen to i don't know if i didn't catch what if chris said this in verse seven but when they cast per that is they cast lots 
So you got some of these words in here um, that need explanation. You know, the month of Adar, uh, this is the month in which they're going to exterminate the Judeans, uh, which means be darkened. Uh, we talked about per. Uh, so again, it goes back to this concept and this idea that it pays us to crack a study Bible and or commentary and read a little bit deeper dive into what we are working through. So verse eight, certain people, uh, Haman never told Ahasuerus who these people were. Uh, their laws were different. Uh, Haman probably thought, especially of dietary laws, circumcision and keeping the Sabbath. Verse nine, the des- uh, destroyed uh, the Hebrew word is Abad is different from Shamad that we will see in uh, that we've seen back in verse six and uh, as we will see in verse 13. Abad sounds like the Hebrew Hebrew word for enslave, which suggests that Haman might have been trying to deceive Ahasuerus with his true plans. I will pay 10,000 talents. Haman offered an exorbitant bribe to facilitate his request. He is probably buffering or may have noted to uh, or may have hoped to realize that amount of plundering uh, of the Judeans. So that's what he was hoping to retrieve from that. Verse 10, the signet ring used to impress distinctive design into the seal of a document served as the king's signature. By giving Haman this signet ring, Ahasuerus is authorizing him to do whatever he wants uh, so this is a substantial change of pace, and uh, now he's given even more authority. Uh, enemy of the Jews, agitates, continued to hate the Judeans across generations. Uh, so as we get into verse 11, uh, this money is given to you based on Mordecai's statement for, in chapter 4, verse 7. It seems that Ahasuerus accepted the bribe. And with these words meant to say that Haman had used the uh, had used the right to use the money however he wished. Uh, verse twelve, the thirteenth day of the month, uh, Haman issues a decree to annihilate the Judeans on the day before their annual Passover celebration, which is on the fourteenth of that month. Um, the satraps, the uh, Herodotus reports that Darius the first had organized the empire into more than twenty uh, satrapies. I guess you can say that, uh, or governors uh, in charge of the hundred and twenty-seven provinces. These uh, officials were local appointees. In verse 13, the carrier Cyrus the Great established an empire-wide postal system similar to the Pony Express uh, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate. The piling up of these three verbs convey the idea of total uh, elimination for the Judeans. The people's situation goes from bad to worse. Captivity, enslavement, and now legalized genocide. The 13th day of the 12th month, day determined by lots. The 11-month delay in carrying out the edict gave Mordecai and Esther an opportunity to come to the aid of their people. Uh, And verse 15, Susa, uh, it's a drink. It's another reference to feasting. Um, This is a one is a private affair thrown into confusion in contrast to Haman's merriment. Common citizens were horrified and perplexed by the change of attitude and the lethal uh, 
machinations of the decree. So uh, the the people don't like what is being carried out against now the uh, the Jews here. Uh, as we wrap up verse uh, chapter three here, Haman's extreme prejudice against the Judeans threatens them with annihilation. Bigotry and intolerance continue in our modern world. The danger is that we criticize these attitudes in others, but fail to see the log in our own eye. Our prejudices can put up barriers in the way of people hearing God's good news of salvation. To become better witnesses, the Holy Spirit must root out the sin of Haman from our hearts, for God desires all people to be saved and come to uh, the knowledge of truth. So we have this you know, fundamental truth that God desires all people. Does that mean all people will be saved? No. But God desires all people to be saved and have the knowledge of truth. And yet we see over and over again in Scripture how, you know, especially in, in Haman's, Haman's position, he's got this unsatisfied hatred for the Jews. And so he's going to attack and engage them. So that is uh, chapter three. As I had mentioned, we are looking at kind of an overview here of this decree coming out. Uh, Haman is going to now move to annihilate the Jews. Um, And I think the boiling point was back in the beginning of the chapter after a number of years now, uh, Mordecai just says, no, I'm not going to bow or pay homage to you. You're not my God or my ruler. And uh, I think that was the boiling point. So uh, we will see um, in chapter four as Esther will uh, agree to help the Jews. And then Esther prepares a banquet in chapter five. So some interesting stuff coming up, hopefully. And uh, I pray that the show has been edifying and engaging and just, uh, you know, a little bit different for you. So again, Guys, uh, we're just going to try to make this as lighthearted and, you know, try to explain some stuff as we go along and hopes that this really is edifying to you, the listener. So, guys, I'm going to go run some errands and uh, I hope you, you enjoy this episode. And again, you're more than welcome to go back and listen to previous episodes and get caught up on the series. I hope that it's been entertaining and edifying and just a bit different from what you get in your normal podcast. So guys, thanks again. I love you all. God bless. We'll see you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 